Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Gary Oakland. Gary is the retired CEO of Boeing Employees Credit Union. He has been inducted into the Co-op Hall of Fame. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, Vernon. Nice to be here. Great. Glad to have you on this morning. So, Gary, um, how did you get involved in into the credit union world, into the co-ops? By accident, <laughs> most likely, uh, kind of by by accident. Um, when I graduated from university, uh, was looking for a job, and and uh, it weren't necessarily easy to come by, but I found one as a teller at a local credit union in in Seattle and uh, telephone company credit union actually, and uh, so I got started there, and that was the beginning of. I love affair with uh, credit unions uh, uh, for the next uh, 40 years. So what did you major in in, in school? Uh, economics, uh, just kind of a basic economics. Uh, although I, was, I did spend one semester uh, of my of my four years in um, uh, Denmark uh, and uh, at the University of Aarhus. And there I was studying comparative economic systems. Okay. So you're doing economics in school, get to go to Denmark and travel and see international. Did you learn anything about co-ops in your formal education? You know, actually, no, because I do recall when I was applying for the job, uh, I, I hear I just graduated uh, in, uh, in, in economics um, from a good university. And in order to go and find out what I should be prepared for in the interview process, I had to go and I went to the University of Washington uh, library to look up credit unions. You know, what is, what, what's a credit union? Yep. I found one article in the library. Wow. Uh, that was enough at that time, which was uh, mid seventies to give me uh, a little bit of a, of a knowledge base to be able to talk to the uh, uh, interviewers about about what a credit union was. I will say that I, I think I had been exposed to credit unions and co-ops in general as a kid because my folks were credit union members, our health insurance was a co-op, you know, all of these types of things. Uh, but, you know, as a kid, you're not that interested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're at the University of Washington. Uh, did you grow up in Seattle? No, I actually grew up in a small uh, town in the middle of the state of Washington, uh, Ellensburg, um, and it was uh, 
it was it was great place to grow up. Uh, it was a small, there was a state college uh, that was located there. Their primary focus was, was education. Um, and uh, the rest of the, of the town was ranchers and farmers. Okay. So you're around ranchers, farmers, and educators growing up. Yes. Your parents did belong to a credit union. Your insurance was a co-op, but you didn't know anything about it. it it's, Not really. No. Okay. So you went off to figure out what economics is about. Did that degree help you in your career? It ab- absolutely did. Uh, when I first started at the Boeing Employees Credit Union, uh, my first position there was director of finance. And um, for, for a number of years before I got there, um, interest rate structures were such that, that deposits were flowing out of the credit union and suddenly deposits were coming in and I was hired as a director of finance to try and invest those funds in the best way possible uh, within the limits that are set forward for credit unions. And so, you know, it it is certainly initially my, my economics background helped a lot. Okay. So how did you go from cashier to director of finance? Well, credit unions were were pretty small then. Okay. <laughs> uh, when I when I started as a teller at Seattle Telco, uh, there were probably oh eighteen employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I I had the opportunity in my five years to be a teller, be a loan uh, interviewer, a loan officer, collections. Um, I, we are built a new building, and so I managed the, the construction of the building. So I got a little bit of everything in those five years. By being so small, you could just really learn the business. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So then here goes Boeing. You get a job as director of finance, so you're investing the funds. So right. you said deposits were going out when you first came in, and then deposits started coming in. What caused deposits to go out? Well, first, what is a credit union? Let, give us that first. Make sure everybody. Okay. Uh, credit union is a financial institution that uh, is owned by its members. And um, uh, it takes deposits in from members and loans it out to members. Uh, so there's that family orientation kind of, uh, so to speak, uh, of being, a- being able to provide financial services deposits in from the members and loans to the members correct okay and when you say it's owned by it's a financial institution owned by the members what is that structure like what what this is the co-op right this is is a co-op owned by the members correct and the the structure is there's a there's a board of elect, a board of directors uh, elected by the members from the members that uh, manages the the direction of the credit union, and then a a, uh, a management team in place to uh, put together the day to day operations of the credit union that develops products and services that are needed by uh, the particular field of membership that the credit union is serving. Products and services. Okay, so I've got a group of people that own this financial institution. 
called a credit union. They can elect the board and they can run to be on the board. So they can create policy of how right. the board operates. The yes. board hires management. So there's a management team and they tell the management team what they want to do. Give them instructions. Here's what we want to do. And then the management team with the board creates products and services for the members. Right. So the members are creating products and services for the members. The yes. Okay. All right. So if I'm a member of Boeing, I work for Boeing employee. I work for Boeing. Are all of the members have to be an um, um, employee of Boeing? Initially, that was the case. Uh, when I first got at, uh, to BCU, that was in 1980. You had to be a member. You had to be an employee of Boeing in order to be a member of the credit union. And in fact, uh, that was one of the difficult things uh, that we went through. One of the reasons for the for the flow of funds, the aerospace industry is notorious for economic. Uh, swings in in uh, their production, and so they would occasionally have every eight years or so uh, significant downturns and uh, layoffs. Uh, so there were a lot of layoffs, uh, and by a lot of layoffs, I'm talking about maybe out of an employment base of a hundred thousand employees at the Boeing company, uh, they'd lay off seventy thousand. How many? Uh, seventy thousand. Wow, seventy thousand. Yes. Wow. Listen, we're going to take our first break. Wow. I just my you're you've got 100,000 employees and you lay off 70 percent, 70,000. Wow. When there's a downturn. OK, we're going to take our first break and we're going to okay. come back and talk about these products and services that the members who own the credit union own Boeing uh, employee credit union, B.E.C.U., will what products and services would they need, particularly when they're looking at there's going to be a layoff coming down the line. Sooner or later, it's going to be a layoff. We'll be right back, everybody. Please don't touch that dial. 1450 W.O. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and my guest today is Gary Oakland. He's a retired chief executive officer of Boeing Employees Credit Union. And right before we took the break, he was telling us that there were 100,000 employees of Boeing. And when there was a downturn, which happened every seven, eight years, they may lay off 70,000 of that 100,000 employees, 70% of it. Uh, Gary, it kind of reminds me of uh, the fat calf and the thin calf in the Bible. There were seven years of fat cows and seven years of thin cows. And Joseph told this the king of Egypt, what that meant. There's going to be seven good years and seven bad years, okay? <laughs> and that's what it sounds like Boeing was all about. So here's what I got from you that the members own Boeing, the credit union. The members own the credit union, and they hire management, and management with the board um, creates products and services. So what kind of products or services could you create to help these employees, particularly in a downturn when they get laid off? Well, initially, uh, we were fairly restricted in the types of accounts uh, and products and services that we could offer. It was essentially consumer loans, auto loans, personal loans, 
uh, vacation loans, whatever, and with certain restrictions, some mortgages. And on the deposit side, we basically could offer savings accounts and certificates of deposit. Toward the late 70s and early 80s, the products and services available for credit unions to offer expanded to include money market accounts, a wider variety of higher interest paying, uh, dividend paying uh, uh, deposits, greater access to mortgage lending, uh, but still no commercial lending essentially at all. So those, those came up and what we did, because for a while, if you were not employed by the Boeing company, you couldn't be a member of the credit union. And so if you had a loan, you had to pay it off. So if you got laid uh, off? If you got laid off, you had to pay off the loan or else. <laughs> that was one of the first things when I became CEO that I kind of confronted the board, so to speak, uh, saying this isn't right. I mean, this is a point in time when the members need our help more than ever. Yeah. Uh, and so we created a once a member, always a member concept. So that once you became a member, you were able to maintain that membership for life. So if you got laid off, you didn't have to, you know, scramble about to, to, to sell your uh, credit union business. And then we also created what was uh, seminars for um, um, surviving a layoff. How we'd go out and go to cafeterias of the Boeing company, going to rec centers, going to churches where Boeing employees could come and we would talk to them about what types of things do you need to do to be able to get through this disruption in your life? Uh, and talking about things like when you go to the grocery store, just shop the outer aisle because those are all the basics you need. You're going to just spend unnecessary dollars on the, on the uh, middle aisles. And this is, you know, the whole thing of, 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 of how to get through there. And, and it was going through there of, of, you know, this is not your fault. It's, you shouldn't feel guilty about getting laid off. And you're not a bad person. It was all these psychological things that we had to convince them that, you know, things are going to work out. You just need to keep a positive attitude and uh, follow some of the some of the steps that uh, we provided. And so we set up uh, interview processes for them, how to interview for a job, those types of things that were part of the seminar. Boy, this keep a positive attitude. That doesn't sound like a banker to me. A credit union is a well, financial Well, I don't consider myself a banker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Actually, um, bank is a four-letter word. <laughs> okay. Okay, B or, okay, some other four-letter words. Yes. Keep a positive attitude. So when these 70,000 people got laid off, my father worked for the railroad, and the downturns in railroad meant you get laid off. It was similar you know yeah um, but you could get called back and he would get called back maybe a year right. later yeah called back did they happen with boeing employees they would get called back or uh, absolutely and there was actually it was kind of a unique uh 
set of circumstances because uh, Boeing at the time was mostly concentrated on commercial aircraft and there was a lot of military aerospace down in California. So for some reason, it seemed like whenever the commercial went down and Boeing laid off, military was up. And so people, there were jobs available down in California at the other aerospace companies. So that there was a lot of migration back and forth like that, because then when military went down, the commercial went up. So there, there was a lot of people would come back. Okay. So did you have branches in California and Washington State? No, we, we had no branches. Our, our operating model was to try and operate on as, as remote a basis as possible because we had members in every state. Wichita with the helicopter. I mean, um, they had some military down there. There was um, back in Pennsylvania, uh, Boeing helicopter, Alabama with Redstone. So there were, we, we had members all over the country. So how could we serve those? without building branches. Wow. And how did you do that? Particularly well, we 1980. Uh, 1980 year. 1980, uh, we had an interesting mail stop system that had been used within the company for a number of years. And that was pretty effective when all of our members were employees of the company. That became less effective uh, at that point. So starting in 1980, we were able to uh, probably mid 83 or, or so, we were able to join ATM networks. So that gave us the basis of, of getting cash into our members' hands without having to necessarily have, have the branches. Uh, then we started developing phone systems, uh, dial-in that you could do a lot of your uh, financial transactions over the phone and ultimately over the internet uh, over over the years. So we were always trying to push the envelope of how we can get these member services into, into our remote member hands. I will note that starting in about 2000, we partnered with Safeway and started putting unique branches in Safeway stores. Now, what was unique about these is we didn't have tellers cash in these in these branches. Um, all of the all of the employees that worked there were consultants. They were talking about how they how they can help a member's financial situation. If they needed cash, we had an ATM. If they needed you know, alone, they could talk with the consultant to figure out what was the best type of loan for him to get. This is extremely interesting. I had no idea because I'm used to the credit union I belong to, NIH, Federal Credit Union, uh -huh. uh, National Institute of Health. I joined it when I was teaching at uh, George Washington University. Could join, and I guess I've been a member of that now in 30 years. But there was always a branch. Now, you could do all of these other things you were talking about, ATMs and uh, get on the phone and check your balances, do transactions. Now, with the Internet, you can do every – I've been to the branch one time in four or five years, maybe. Right. 
Okay, but you're well ahead of the curve with this. Um, We've tried to be. One of the one of the values in being a credit union for the aerospace company for the Boeing company is that we had a, they had a lot of engineers that were very smart uh, and had solutions to everything. <laughs> and so whenever we came up with a something that we wanted to test and try out, we had lots of input about <laughs> what was right and what was wrong. <laughs> so. You had all of these members with all mm-hmm. of these skill sets, engineers, uh-huh. and whatever, and IT people, whatever, phone people, sure. whatever, uh, that's, that's putting this engineering into Boeing, into planes, commercial or military, and now they're putting into a credit union, all of these members. That's fascinating. Fascinating. So, you know, we're going to take our next break. I told you time will go by really quickly. And I'd like to come back and talk about what you all did, what programs, you said products and services for your members. So I'm interested in what products and services you had for young people, folks with children, and then all the way up to seniors. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. 1450 WOL. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and our guest is Gary Oakland, who's retired chief executive officer of Boeing Employees Credit Union. And he's getting inducted into Cooperative Hall of Fame, and that dinner is going to be on October 6th in the Press Club, National Press Club in Washington, D.C. And, Gary, we've been on the air now almost nine years. When you get inducted in October, it will be nine years. We started nine years ago. And the National Co-op Bank has been our main supporter of all of these nine years. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. And NCB also works with credit unions. Did you have any opportunity, Gary, to work with NCB to work out any either deposits or borrowing money or anything with Boeing? Not directly with uh, with NCB. I did uh, serve on uh, a couple of uh, well on a board uh, with the NCB president. Uh, um, it was Tom. I've just gone blank on his last name, but that was and that was a number of years ago. But I'm familiar with with NCB, uh, and uh, but I'm not sure that we had anything in, in particular that that we worked with. Okay. So I've got you went to churches, you went to cafeterias, recreation centers to talk to your members to figure out what what they could do to to sort of survive a layoff to to plan ahead because it's going to happen. What products and services did you, the management and the members create for say young people and then for people with children and then for seniors? What kind of products and services? Well, I think one of the the, the most unique uh, products that we had that that expanded or, or or went across all age groups was uh, what we called the small saver account, and the small saver account kind of took your the the way interest was paid on savings accounts and turned it upside down. So instead of the large dollar savers getting the higher interest rate, it was the small savers that that had less than $500. So for the first $500 in the account, 
you would get something like an eight or nine percent dividend as opposed to a regular share account that would only get a three or four percent. And the reason that we set it at $500 is because that was the point at which once you got the $500, that was enough to buy a certificate of deposit. And so we tried to teach members all along, develop this savings plan, and we'll try and help you as best we can by paying you a higher dividend. But then once you've reached that, then you can invest it in higher, even higher earning um, certificates of deposit. So that was a product that, that, that we came up with. Um, before you go, before you go forward, huh? I, I really like that. I never thought of it that way. You turn it upside down. Normally, if you put in a little bit of money, you get lesser interest rate. And if you get, I don't know, a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, you get a higher interest rate. You right. turn it around. So it's like, okay. Also is interesting to me at $500 there, the research done before pandemic that 47% of Americans would not have $400 if they had an emergency. So this $500 would make your employees, your members and young or old or whatever, if they had $500, they would be better off than the bottom half of the, in terms of finances uh, of, of the American population. Um, and I, I would hate to think what that is like now of how many people would not have four hundred, five hundred dollars if they had an emergency today after after COVID. Okay, I cut you off. You were going to talk about some other products. Uh, the other thing, well, when we initially started and it was all Boeing employees that were members, there was a concept that we really couldn't do anything with their members' money because it was their money and if they wanted to contribute somewhere then they would do it themselves. But the credit union shouldn't be spending the members' money that way. We got that turned around where we can invest in the community because that was something that we think for, for all of our members uh, was beneficial. Uh, and we focused on education, uh, financial literacy, and home ownership on, on those three particular areas. So from an education standpoint, we created a foundation that awarded, uh, at, at the time, initially, uh, 20 uh, scholarships to members uh, who uh, um, had put in an essay. And what I think was, was unique about the particular award was it wasn't based on their grade point or how they did academically. It was based on what had they done for the community? What had been their volunteer work? How had they contributed back? And so they got the scholarship by being involved in the community. Oh, fantastic. Uh, that it was, it was, it was great. And, and to read these um, essays that the kids put together was just incredible. I mean, you felt so good about the future of this country at the time mm -hmm. because of what these kids were doing on their own volunteering um so anyway that was that was uh the one one thing that we did the other thing we did was was working with a lot of different agencies and foundations in the area to encourage uh home ownership and, and how can we how can we make home ownership more accessible 
and how can we get people to to learn some of the basics in order to be able to get into home ownership. Uh, so we created uh, it was actually a uh, uh, subsidiary of the credit union. It's called Prime Alliance, and there were about probably six or seven hundred credit unions that 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 uh, were a part of it uh, across the nation. And what it was was a way of of making home ownership and getting a mortgage less cumbersome, less intimidating, just easier to do so that those people that would otherwise have maybe been uh, scared away from trying to to actually be able to, to get into a home. Okay. Yeah, getting a mortgage and that whole process can be daunting. Yeah, we identified uh, two, two areas. Uh, and part of it, it kind of coincided when, when I had, a, when, when we had our first two kids or our, our two kids. One was, how are these kids ever going to be able to afford an education? And how are these kids, you know, on their own, ever going to be able to buy their first home? And this was, you know, 25 years ago. It is multiple times worse now. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Absolutely, and the cost of education has gone sky. It's gone yep. out of college education, particularly. Credit union, owned by the members, members hire management, management with the board, where the members also elect the board, board hires the management, and then they create products and services, and you've been talking about the products and services, and it's all around what is best for the members, not what's necessarily best for the stockholders, although the stockholders are the members. It's not even outside. Exactly. Yeah. We don't have to pay stockholders. We have to pay our members. Yes. Fascinating, because when I got my MBA, all of the decisions were made on what was best rate of return. ROI was the only variable. Look at all your options, figure out which one gives you the best return on investment, and that's the option you took. And so you're saying things with how can you get folks to get education, financial literacy, and home ownership as the three things. Uh, speaking of ROI there for a moment, I think an interesting story uh, that with our volunteer board of directors, uh, they would establish our of the management team and put incentives in place uh, for us to, you know, do well. One time they were trying to put ROI because most of these people were finance people from the Boeing company. And so they were looking at the same thing, return on investment. So they wanted to put ROI as one of our incentives. And I went up to the chalkboard and started writing out the formula for ROI and pointed out to them, the only way, there's, there, there's really no way to improve ROI without hurting the member. You either have to reduce what you pay them or increase what you charge them. Right. So the REI was not something that should be thought of as a good thing in credit unions. I can argue it's not a good thing in a whole lot of businesses. <laughs> okay. okay. Particularly when you look at climate change and the results of decisions made strictly on ROI. 
not looking right. at what's best for people or best for the planet. Okay. Right. Uh, we won't go down that road today, but it's interesting that you were able to say if we look at return on investment as a bonus structure, a way of looking for bonus for management, and now you're going to tell management you got to do one or two things. you got to charge the members, you guys on the board and other members, we've got to charge them more for products and services, or we got to pay them less for when they make uh, deposits. That's the only way you increase it. Okay. That's not what the credit union's about. Yeah. It's the opposite. <laughs> How do you charge less to the members for products or services? And how do you pay them more for their deposits? <laughs> okay. Absolutely. And do it in a financially uh, responsible way. You've got to make yes. money to, yeah. st to stay afloat. <clears throat> you want to be here 10 years from now. Yeah. So how did you go from $700 million of assets, less than a billion, to $10 billion of assets when you retire? Speaking of money and growth. and Well, I'm going to give you the answer that people always gave me is because we had an absolute focus on the member. The, the, the decision point was not, as we were just talking about, ROI, but what's best for the member and what's best for the membership. So it was with that focus, we were able to get people's attention and we were able to expand membership or all credit unions were after 1998, I think it was with the uh, Credit Union Membership Act passed Congress so that instead of being boring employees or their relatives, all, all credit unions in the state of Washington and across the country could opt for statewide fields of membership. So we suddenly had more members, more potential members available. Now we focus strictly in the Puget Sound region as far as trying to get new members and, and put, put our unique branches out there. But um, that generated a lot of growth. Uh, so we went from at the 700 million, we were probably in the top 20 credit unions. Uh, by the time I had retired, we were number four in the country. Fourth largest. Okay. 10 times, 12 times fold large. And how many years was that from? I became CEO in 1986. So 30, uh, 26 years, I think it was, having been retired for 10 now. <laughs> okay. So we're going to take our next break, but did you have fun in those 26 years? Absolutely. It was, it was, it was fun. It was challenging. You know, we went through the Great Depression, expanded uh, the products and services, but most importantly, I ran with good people, uh, both on staff at the credit union and amongst other credit union CEOs. That was a saying we had, run with good people. Run with good people. Okay, run with good people is where we're going to stop and take our next break. Run with good people, and you also working for good members, with and for good members if they're going to be on the board and hiring you guys and all of this stuff. We'll be right back, and we're coming back with our last section. We're going to talk more about the future now when we get back. 
1450 WOL, where information is power. Welcome back, everybody. This is Everything Co-op. My name is Vern Oaks, and Gary Oakland is our guest today. Gary Cabot Creamery has come on this year to help support us and sponsor us, and we've been talking about the credit union, which is the members were the employees of of um, Boeing, and then he opened it up, and the members then decide what goes on, which we've been talking about. With Cabot Creamery, it's a bunch of farmers, family farmers get together, and they all send their milk to that they create this business who takes their milk and they make cheese and everything with it. But these family farmers also are on the board of directors of Cabot Creamery, and they've had their cheddar cheese has won all kinds of of uh, awards, and it's just a great place. You can go to CabotCreamery.com, CabotCheese.coop to find out about them. So what I want to ask you, before we talk about future, for people out there that's listening, for their future, if they want to join a financial institution that is totally focused on them and what's best for them, they should go out and find a credit union to join. How can they find a credit union to join in their area? Well, it's a lot easier these days. Uh, they can, of course, Google just about anything they want, but there is a specific uh, site that's mycu.gov, and that will list credit unions in their area or any any place in the country that uh, that they want to be looking for, and then they can find out about those particular credit unions. So it's my CU, C for credit, U for union, mycu.gov. And Correct. you can find out, put in your zip code or what it asks mm-hmm. you for, and then you can find the credit unions in your area that you can go join. Credit unions are there for the members, which we've been talking about. And, and I, I, you, you brought up the creamery, and I think this is something, in my recollection, was, was somewhat unique. There are a lot of co-ops out there that are either buyers or sellers, mm-hmm. like the like the creamery. But credit unions, I think, are unique in that they're the the deposits and the lenders are both internal. The members bar, bar, uh, give the credit union the money, and the credit union turns that money back over to the members. Whereas in a creamery, they produce and hold the creamery, but then the consumer is the buyer. Yep. So that's a little bit uh, unique in the co-op movement as well. So I I had never thought about a credit union as both the buyer and the seller. The members are doing both. They're they're investing in, they're giving the money, and then they get the money back in loans. And I've had several credit unions on on here, and and I remember one of them – in Texas, it was started with five people putting up ten dollars a piece. <laughs> okay, in nineteen thirty or something. Was twelve people putting fifty cents up piece? Oh my goodness! Yes, twelve people putting up fifty cents. That's six dollars. Yep. And the first loan was a boat. A boat? Yes. What's that mean? The first loan at the credit union was to a member that bought a little runabout. Oh, he bought a boat, so he it was yes. a, okay, and oh. financed it through the credit union. Okay, and what year was it started? Nineteen thirty-five. Nineteen thirty-five. Twelve people come together, put up 
50 cents each, they have a total of $6 to start a financial institution that's worth $10 billion when you when you retired 10 years ago. Right. That's about $30 billion now. <laughs> wow. Okay. So what about the future here? And we haven't talked about biz kids at all yes. when we were talking about I was trying to get into that. So let's talk about biz kids a little bit. How did you all get involved in that, and what is what was BizKids? Well, the original concept was by the producers of Bill Nye the Science Guy. And what they wanted to do was what they did for science with Bill Nye, they wanted to do for financial literacy with BizKids. And so they came in, and I don't remember exactly who, who how it got started, but I know that the executive producers uh, that were that were pushing this came to visit me and um, we said, hey, you know, this is something that would be great because financial literacy is not good in the United States at any level. So let's try and come up with something that the kids that we can introduce early on and, and kids can start building a foundation. So we posted a gathering of credit unions that we invited from all over the country, uh, credit unions, trade associations, regulators, everything uh, in Seattle and had a presentation put together uh, by the executive producers to say, here's what we want to do. We need the money to do it. And so we raised uh, in that afternoon, I think close to a million and a half dollars. Wow. Um, and that kicked off BizKids. BizKids has won a couple of Emmy Awards. Uh, they continue to be shown on PBS. I think there's 72 uh, episodes. Uh, they're available online. There's teaching kits that are distributed to classrooms. Uh, and it's all about trying to give some of the basics of financial literacy early in, in people's lives. So I looked it up. I, you can find it on Hulu and Paramount, also BizKids. I found that out. Okay. And budgeting, all aspects of finances is just fascinating. Okay. I'll be looking at more of that because I'm finding that financial literacy is still a major issue. When most Americans spend more than they bring in, no matter how yes. much they make. Okay, it's every level of if whether you make, you know, the propensity 30, to consume. Yeah. The marginal propensity to consume does go up the curve as much. Yeah. Where, where do you see the future of uh, particular credit unions uh, coming, helping with, helping with the U.S. economy coming out of COVID? Well, I, I see it as a, a great opportunity. Uh, for credit unions to help get out of some of the malaise that we're in. I think it's, it's credit unions and co-ops in general that can narrow the gap that seems to be out there in, in so many different segments of our society. And I think that, that, that you'll find that there is a lot of growth going on in, in co-ops and in, in credit unions in particular. I know in, in the Puget Sound region, BECU is the number one preferred financial institution 
uh, and that includes banks <laughs> and the like. So I see it as, as a lot of opportunity, um, but I also see it as something that is very precious and we need to be cautious of, of building the expertise and the devotion to the member that is necessary to, do, to keep us differentiated from for-profit financial institutions. So do you, do, you, do you find that you may have a potential problem with BECU at $30 billion? You're so big that you get separated from the members? I don't think, you know, I always considered us a small credit union okay. uh, because I wanted to, you know, I, I answered my own phone. I, I met with members with or without an appointment. Um, and, and that's, it's that, that hometown, small town sense that, um, and respect that you have to have for that person across the desk from you. Respect for the person across this, across from you. All right. So join a credit union by going to mycu.gov, mycu.gov. If you want to find a credit union, get in there. You can get on the board. You can run for the board. You can go to meetings. You can elect board members. You help to create the products or services. Put in money, and you can borrow money, uh, whether you're trying to buy a little boat or a car or whatever. Last minute, what, what do you want to leave people with, Gary? I'm a little frustrated right now with the, some of the state of the union, uh, so to speak. But uh, I, I think the concept of the credit union is people helping people. And if we can develop that attitude in all elements of our society, uh, we will all be better off. People helping people. So I love the values of credit union, particularly ethical values, honesty, openness, social responsibility, and caring for others. I, I say caring for one another, the golden rule, people helping people. And the credit unions are people first, planet second, profit third, which we talked about earlier. It's not profit first, profit second, and profit third. Yeah. Gary, thank you so very much for taking the time out. I know in California, it's, you got on at 7.15 this morning. Thank you so much for taking the time out and sharing with us your wisdom and knowledge. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed it very much, and thank you. Thank you. Everybody out there, please live cooperatively, and we will see you next Thursday. Oh, you are well, where information is power.